Hello and welcome to Gully Boys of Cricket, the voice of fans. Gully Boys is a podcast where fans can speak their mind with no holds and also keep share the trophy request to ICC alive. I'm your host Prakash Vadwa. Today we have Priyansh Chandra from India and Daniel Orsman from South Africa as we look at the just completed India South Africa first test match. Welcome back Priyansh. Ah, hi there Prakash. Always good to be here. You great to talk to you again Priyansh and welcome to the show for the first time Dan. Hi guys, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on the show Dan and Dan is joining us from South Africa. So it'll be wonderful to have a perspective first hand perspective on South African team and performance. So welcome to the show guys. You know a few weeks ago when the ashes were going on there was all this talk about competitive cricket and on the other side we had this India West Indies series going on. Such a big mismatch between the quality of cricket we were seeing. And here we are. What a great teaser for two more test matches to follow. Agarwal and Sharma on day 1, Ashwin show later. A great fight on day 3. Wonderful performances from Elgar, from Faf, from Decock, then Sharma and Pujara sticking in on day 4 and we expected that fight again from South Africa on day 5. I'll go with you Priyansh first. Your first impressions from this match? a moment or a performance that stands out for you i guess i will go with two first one being mayank agarwal's double hundred can you imagine this is the first double hundred scored by an indian opener in test cricket since virender sehwag post 2009 so it's been a really long time and mayank agarwal was someone who did extremely well in australia when india toured there and then had a okay series in west indies but looked like he belonged there and here he got this big hundred which definitely must calm a lot of nerves and must ensure him of a long run in the coming future so it's extremely pleasing and the other one being the return of indian spin spear and that's ravichandran ashwin in the first innings he took a seven for the road was an absolute delight for the batsman and on that pitch to take seven wickets it was a herculean effort and in my opinion the best effort from ravichandran ashwin that we have ever seen that's wonderful priyansh we'll talk more on those points especially ashwin because we have talked about ashwin in the past and both of us were really surprised that he was sitting out even in the india west indies series dan your first impressions so i think there were so many individual performances to choose from but the one that really stood out to me was uh, was rohit sharma it's one thing to score 100 in both innings of a test match and i think it's another thing to do it when your place in the side has come under a lot of scrutiny coming into the first test match neither side was really sure of what their best 11 looked like and i think we've got a classic example of one side getting it very right and the other side getting it very wrong we have talked a lot about india in the past on the show how team management tends to defy common sense at times with team selections whether you know people agree or not agree with it it seems to click it seems to come off So that's been the art of team selection I would say with this team management. But let's start this discussion with what you mentioned Dan, Rohit Sharma. Last time we talked Priyansh and I we were talking about Rohit Sharma and both of us did not agree with the opening position and it was not because of Rohit Sharma's caliber or talent. It was more to do with the respect that a player like him deserves that we don't just put him in a spot because it's empty and we did not quite 
go in with the idea that this is a long-term investment for Team India. But for what he has done in this test match, with four more test matches to go at home, the opening position is a case which is open and shut for a very long time. He just got an opportunity and he grabbed it with both hands. He broke multiple records, got hundreds in both innings, was only the sixth Indian batsman to do so in test cricket, then scored most number of sixes in a test match by any batsman. But in my opinion, the views will still be the same. We talked about him earlier. We said that he might end up doing extremely well in the home conditions, but it's the away tours that might actually trouble him. And that won't be because of his ability or inability to play the moving ball, but because of the age factor. The players who have been just phenomenal in test cricket during their peak, like Murli Vijay, Hashim Amla, even those guys struggle when they went past a certain age, like 34-35. And when Rohit Sharma would be going to South Africa, New Zealand, England, these places in future at this age, then I don't know what it will turn out to be. He might still end up doing extremely well there. But for now, I'm not very sure what will happen there. But as of this test, Rohit Sharma, extremely well played. And he has cemented his spot for this entire home season and the first couple of tours that will be away from home in the coming cycle. Right. And what's your take on it, Dan? From a South African angle, comparing it to what your perspective was before the start of this match and how has it changed? So, to be honest, initially I was a very big critic of his. I said, you know, regardless of how destructive he is in the, in the shorter formats, he, he doesn't have the technical capabilities to open in test cricket, particularly against bowlers like Rabada and Philander. And obviously I ate my words very quickly. To be honest, I don't really buy the idea of building a team for the future and you pick your best 11, particularly when you're playing against top opposition and particularly now when each test is, you know, contributing to this test championship in the, in the broader scheme of things. So I think they've got that right. I think regardless of his age, he's the right guy for the job. I hope that he starts to score some runs overseas. I think he's probably one of the best batsmen on home soil, but it would be nice to see him following through with that, you know, on English wickets or Australian wickets, for example. Definitely one of the best at the moment. I think Test cricket is very, very short on solid openers at the moment. So I really enjoyed the fact that Shama and Elga both got um, big hundreds this series. You made a great point there, Dan. A great point that somewhere it's also about just being in this series, looking at the opposition and seeing what is the best for now. And team management has backed Rohit Sharma and how well he has delivered. I believe he's passed 300 runs in one match. Now, Steve Smith got 774 in seven innings. Now, Sharma is likely to have seven or more innings in the home season here. There are three tests against South Africa, two against Bangladesh. Tell me, what's your guess? How many runs is he going to get in this home season? I certainly don't think that he would be getting all the innings when we play Bangladesh. He might only get one innings in those tests. So, another 500 runs, I guess. Are we going to see another that Stephen Smith kind of performance here in this series? Yeah, so to be honest, he didn't actually ever look like he was in trouble at the wicket. Even early on in his innings, the spinners never gave him trouble. Obviously, there was one or two that, you know, kept low or really gripped on the wicket. But I think he's in for a very, very, very big season. I'm looking at closer to, to 600 runs for sure. And that would be trouble for South Africa. That and would, what would be your prediction, Prakash, for how many runs he will score? 
if he gets seven or eight innings in this home season, he will be past that 774. Hopefully, that confidence makes him flow even when he goes out to New Zealand and other countries. So let's, let's move to the other guy. Rohit Sharma was one. Ashwin was another. These were two guys who were sitting out on the bench in the previous series. I think in case of Ravi Chandran Ashwin, it has also got to do with the competition he gets. Ashwin, the batsman in last few matches and sometime has degraded a bit. And that has coincided with the rise of Ravindra Jadeja, the batsman. And that started from the tour of England. You know, he got an 80-odd in England, then an, another 18, Australia. And even in this series, he got runs in both innings. So that might give him the edge over Ravi Chandran Ashwin. Then India are looking at an all-rounder for away to us. But when it comes to subcontinent, you just can't think past Ravi Chandran Ashwin. He equals morally with regards to fastest to 350 wickets. So what do you guys think? How long will Ravi Chandran Ashwin go? Do you think he can go past Kumble? Um, I suppose there, there could be some debate going overseas if they're looking to play only the one spinner. Then who do you pick between him and Jadeja? What Ashwin really, really has now that Jadeja doesn't, in my opinion, is the, the variation. Uh, South Africa obviously aren't, aren't the best players of spin. So I think someone like Jadeja, who obviously is a fantastic player, sort of tends to stand out a lot more against uh, a South African top order, for example. In Australia or in England, against on sort of flatter wickets, perhaps become a bit one-dimensional to batsmen. I think his variation comes in, you know, maybe with a bit of extra pace or he uses the width of the crease here and there. But Ashwin has the genuine off-break, the genuine Dusra, the one that goes straight on. I think he's, I think he's the full package as a spin bowler. Probably the best spinner test cricket has at the moment. As we have discussed before, for me personally, Ravi Chandran Ashwin is one of the first names I would pick on a team list. If any spinner can do it in any conditions, then Ashwin has that experience, that variation, and that smartness. As far as uh, your question goes, Priyansh, whether he can get past Anil Kumble. Anil Kumble has 619 wickets. Ashwin just got past 350 in 66 test matches. He obviously can. There is no question about it. The question would be his longevity. How long can he play? I believe if he can play another six, seven years, we are definitely looking at someone who goes past uh, Anil Kumble's record. I think we were talking about Ashwin and talking about team selection and another team selection that we talked about previously, you know, do you remember Rishabh Pant versus Ridman Saha? And they just did one thing again, just something out of common sense. Rishabh Pant fails in white ball cricket, so drop him from red ball cricket where he's been doing well. This was just definitely beyond me. I know Saha is a better keeper, but still to keep someone out of the caliber of Pant in test cricket, just because he has failed in white ball, it was beyond me. Even Decock proved for South Africa what is the importance of a wicketkeeper batsman who can turn the game around. I don't, know, I don't know how much personal politics plays a role in Indian cricket, but from an outside perspective, it's you know, just taking stats into account and the temperament of both players, taking into account the age of both players, it just seemed like, like a shocking decision from, from, an, from an outside perspective. Um, it really did surprise me. Um, but as a, as a South African fan, I was very happy to, <laughs> to not have pants in the side. These are things which, which can build you for better cricket or actually 
you know, put those question marks in your head if you're good enough or not. And that's what bothers me because this was the time for me that you backpunt. Okay, we understand you've been feeling the pressure. You were not doing very good in white ball. But this is a format which has worked for you. You have done great. Do something which brings that confidence in all the formats of the game. But on the other side, what this team management does is just drop him. And you can justify it whichever way that Saha is a better keeper or you're going to have spinning tracks. Or maybe they feel that at home they have six batsmen, so they don't need the additional batting capability. But still, you just back someone when he's doing well. Just before the match, Ravi Shastri said that Pant has their backing and they are going to persist with him. And the very next day, Virat Kohli announces that Saha would be keeping this series. So I don't know where they are honestly taking in Indian cricket. Just like, I don't want to be very offensive, but it seems the team has just gone five years backwards. Rather than going to young guys who will be performing, we are moving to older guys again and again. First of all, Virat Kohli said that they are picking Saha ahead of Pant on keeping basis. That Pant, that Saha is the best keeper in the world. And the best keeper in the world drops a couple of catches, is struggling to grab the ball. Then I don't know how he is the best keeper in the world when the likes of DeCock and BJ Watling have been doing that job pretty fine. I generally won't be so much critical of someone's keeping capabilities, but then what statement is being issued that he's solely playing on keeping? Then if he's struggling on that basis, would you immediately replace him with Pant? You know, as we started the show and we said, Priyansh, of course, this team management, in every match, there is a case or two that they defy common sense. But somehow it seems to work for them. At least it gets hidden. You know, it doesn't really pop out as a major error in selection. I would say eight out of 10 times, they're just able to carry themselves through with that decision, which also is a positive for this team. It shows uh, the character of the team and how good of a team it is. We will continue our talk with Priyansh and Dan in part two of this conversation focused on South African perspective. And we will also discover that Dan has been a teammate of South African opener Aidan Markram in earlier days. Thanks for listening to Gully Boys of Cricket. We'll see you in part two.